Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, April 24th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, we have a new leader on our list of top used car dealership groups. Tesla comes out victorious in a bellwether lawsuit over an autopilot crash. And transport tech startup funding plunges. Plus, we'll hear from the head of North America at EV.Energy about how smart charging can help reduce strain on the electrical grid. We try to make it really set it and forget it, right? So you plug in your car, uh, you tell us, I need my car charged by 7 a.m. And we'll work with your local utility to figure out when the best time is going to be to charge that car. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Lithia Motors is the new number one at the top of Automotive News annual ranking of used vehicle dealers. The acquisition fueled juggernaut sold about 312,000 used vehicles in 2022. That's 12,000 more than second place AutoNation. Lithia's ascent to the apex of the used list follows its toppling of AutoNation to lead Automotive News' latest ranking of the top 150 dealership groups in the U.S. by new vehicle sales. This year's ranking has also been revamped and has returned to a list exclusively featuring franchise dealership groups. That means the list's longtime leader, CarMax, has departed, as have online used vehicle retailers Carvana, Vroom, and Shift Technologies. The change was spurred in part by CarMax's sale in late 2021 of its last franchise dealership. Those used-only giants will be part of a new list debuting May 22nd, In the meantime, check out the extensive analysis of the top 100 dealership groups based in the U.S. and ranked by used vehicle retail sales at autonews.com. A jury in California handed Tesla a sweeping win in a major lawsuit over its autopilot feature. The jury found that the electric vehicle maker's software did not fail in what appeared to be the first trial related to a crash involving the partially automated driving technology. Tesla has been testing and rolling out its autopilot and more advanced full self-driving system, which CEO Elon Musk has touted as crucial to the company's future, but which has drawn regulatory and legal scrutiny. Los Angeles resident Justine Hsu sued in 2020, saying her Tesla Model S swerved into a curb while on autopilot and an airbag was deployed, quote, so violently it fractured plaintiff's jaw knocked out teeth, and caused nerve damage to her face. She alleged there were defects in the design of autopilot and the airbag and sought more than $3 million in damages. Tesla denied liability for the accident and said in a court filing that Shu used autopilot on city streets despite a user manual warning against doing so. Private equity and other investors funneled less than $400 million into U.S. transportation technology startups in March. That's about a 43% decline from the previous month, according to data compiled by Automotive News. Investment by venture capitalists, companies, and others into burgeoning advanced transportation technology businesses has cooled sequentially from over a billion dollars in January to $690 million in February, and then again to the March figure of less than $400 million. All told, startups in the sector have raised just under $3 billion this year. Automotive News started compiling the figures for 2023 and does not have comparable data for the prior year. Investment in mobility technology companies is slowing because of high interest rates and the fallout from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank 
If there's an investment bright spot, it's in battery technology companies. That sector's investment activity is driven in large part by tax provisions in the federal government's Inflation Reduction Act, which favor onshoring battery production. And former General Motors President Lloyd Royce died on Friday. He was 86. Royce was a mechanical engineer who rose to become GM's president in the early 90s. As president, he was an early supporter of the GM Impact, a concept car that became the EV1, a forerunner to today's electric vehicles. He and then-CEO Robert Stemple were forced out in 1992 as part of a boardroom uprising. Stemple died in 2011. Royce was also the father of the automaker's current president, Mark Royce, who posted the news of his father's death on Facebook. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, so is Tesla in the clear with all these autopilot and self-driving complaints, or is there more to this? They're in the clear on this one. They want it hands down and, you know, kind of on the, the technicality that they advise people not to use it on city streets when you can look on YouTube every day, there's new people posting videos where they're using them on the streets because that's how they believe they can use it. They're not really disabused of that notion, I don't believe, in the in the purchasing process. Then they're still facing challenges from regulators, uh, both the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Department of Justice are both looking into how Tesla promotes these technologies and how they train people on them, how they're represented, and there's still more to be sorted through here. Gotcha. Coming up, maybe you're hearing concerns lately about what all these new EVs will mean for the electrical grid. Well, Joseph Vallone of EV.Energy says his company has a solution. We'll hear about it next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. This week, Automotive News published a comprehensive look at EV charging infrastructure and its many challenges. You can find that series at autonews.com today, and you'll hear more about it on the podcast this week. On the subject of EV infrastructure, EV.Energy is a software platform that helps EV drivers employ smart charging, which adjusts charging times for optimal efficiency. Automotive News tech and innovation reporter Molly Boygon recently caught up with Joseph Fallone, the company's North America chief, on Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. Can you just explain for someone who isn't familiar what some of the challenges are as we're sort of ramping up EV charging infrastructure with the electrical grid? I think people think about oh, you know, are there going to be enough chargers? Are the chargers going to work? But there's sort of this other consideration that that needs to be kept in mind. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really timely question since the White House uh, and the EPA just rolled out uh, or proposed new rules that would actually see 50% reduction combustion engine vehicle sales by 2032. And a number of states, including California and New York, proposed to outright ban uh, the sale of new combustion engine vehicles by 2035. So I think in about a decade, 
American roads are going to look very different. They're going to be probably dominated by electric vehicles. Uh, and as we said, those electric vehicles need to be able to charge. Now, on our road to transport electrification, there is a huge question around, well, how are we just going to have enough chargers and charging infrastructure for all those electric vehicles and trucks uh, to charge wherever they need to? And then there's also a second question of how are our nation's power grids uh, actually going to cope with all of that additional demand? And I think it's important to keep in mind that the average light duty or sort of passenger electric vehicle consumes about as much electricity as the average American home. And so imagine every American home now has got an EV in the driveway instead of a combustion engine vehicle. That essentially means that the number of houses in a given area has doubled. And uh, our power grids weren't necessarily designed uh, to support all of that additional demand. And this is sort of occurring gets the backdrop of blackouts that have been happening for a number of years now. If you think back to uh, three summers ago in California, summer 2020, uh, you know, there were blackouts last summer in California. The grid came extremely close to a blackout over the Labor Day weekend. Texas saw blackouts back in, in winter 2021. And here in the Northeast, blackouts are a pretty common occurrence, uh, whether it's from you know, demand from, from summer air conditioning or um, you know, just from, from a store. So a lot of uh, a lot of utilities uh, are starting to think about okay, you know how can we maybe intelligently manage or optimize electric vehicle charging in a way that doesn't create a huge spike in demand that we would maybe see from air conditioners on a hot summer afternoon when everyone is turning on their ACs. You know, electric vehicle charging is a little bit different. It's like charging your smartphone, right? You know, you plug it in at a certain time. You know, nine times out of 10, maybe that's overnight, and you don't necessarily care whether it charges between midnight and 2 a.m. or between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., as long as it's at 100% by the time your alarm goes off. And a similar principle is being applied to electric vehicle charging. Uh, it's just called smart charging, uh, and it's this, you know, the same concept where an EV driver might plug in uh, at a certain time, and data from EV Energy's platform shows that the average EV is plugged in for a duration of between 12 to 14 hours. Actually, that that window uh, is is being extended with folks continuing to you know, do hybrid work, work from home at least a couple of days a week uh, when they're actually plugged in for much longer. But the average charging session only requires about two to three hours of charge, depending on exactly how much battery you need and what kind of charging equipment you've got. Uh, so that's, you know, a 14 hour window maybe to deliver you know, a couple of hours of charging. So there's a lot of flexibility there that utilities uh, can play with to deliver an electric vehicle, the charge it needs by the time their customer needs it, uh, but maybe schedule it at a time when there's a lot less demand on the grid in a way that would ensure continued reliability uh, and prevent blackouts. Why are people plugging in their cars for 12 to 14 hours when they only need two to three hours to charge? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's really, you know, linked to you know driver behavior. Uh, and again, it's very similar to your smartphone. You'll plug it in and we see a lot of drivers plug in maybe when they get home from work or, you know, from their day. That could be in kind of the early evening around 5, 6, 7 p.m. Now, unfortunately, that is uh, a very congested time for most power grids. That's when everyone is coming home. 
they're turning on home appliances, uh, you know, they're cooking dinner, they've got the TV on, maybe they've got air conditioning on or, or they're doing something else. Uh, and so uh, the grid does t- tend to be actually sort of quite congested at that time. It's actually the worst time to charge your EV uh, from the grid's perspective. And, you know, people won't leave typically until the next morning and they just leave their vehicle plugged in and it's like leaving your your phone plugged in and charging, you know, it'll charge and then it just sort of stays plugged in and you just unplug it when you need to get up and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, d- 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 your estimation is that, I know for me, if I'm leaving my, you know, I plug my phone in overnight because it has to be charged in the morning and I don't want to, you know, it's it's definitely a little bit psychological that I like to just know for sure that it's going to be charged even if it's still plugged in. I'm not going to, you know, wake up early and unplug it or something like that. I mean, is does that anxiety sort of factor into into the decision making that people have around leaving their cars plugged in too, or it's something different? Well, not necessarily if you've got the right solution in place. And that's why EV energy software is designed to put the driver first, make sure and really guarantee that their car is charged by the time they need it. That's called their departure time. It's a preference that they set in our mobile app. Uh, and then we try to make it really set it and forget it, right? So you plug in your car, uh, you tell us, I need my car charged by 7 a.m., right? Because maybe I'm going to I'm gonna leave at 7.30. Then we will take a read of its battery. We'll figure out exactly how much charge it needs, how long that will take. Uh, and we'll work with your local utility to figure out when the best time is going to be to charge that car. That could start, I don't know, at 11 p.m. Uh, it could uh, actually mean that maybe we only charge it between uh, you know, 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. It's going to depend on on the day. Uh, it's going to depend on your local utility. But indeed, this concept of smart charging only works when the driver's preferences are honored uh, and put before everything else. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting solution because in hindsight, it seems fairly obvious. You know, th- this is, you know, b- better for the grid. It's better for individuals, as you say, like they'll know for sure that their car is going to be plugged in. How did you kind of come to get into this idea? And how did you think of this? And how did you develop this with EV energy? Yeah, so the concept of smart charging has definitely been around for a while. And indeed, uh, you know, it's nothing new in the energy management sector. The idea of, you know, kind of shifting energy demand to better periods or better times for the grid, you know, whether that has to do with grid congestion or it has to do with the electricity price you pay for folks who are on variable tariffs, or it's actually just to do with the type of electricity that's generating at a given time, particularly as a lot of grids now have more and more renewable energy. That can be when the sun is shining during the day. It could also be when the wind is blowing. That can occur maybe overnight. You know, that concept has been around for a while. And electric vehicles, as I said, are a really great application for that concept of you know optimizing when you consume electricity. Because as I mentioned earlier, data from our platform shows that the average EV driver is keeping their vehicle plugged in for 12 to 14 hours, but only requires maybe two or three hours of charge. And so electric vehicles are just a really great application for grid-friendly energy consumption. And that's what we do at EV Energy. We've built a software platform that wirelessly connects to electric vehicles using the embedded internet connection that's in most vehicles. 
will also connect to EV charging stations as well, because a lot of those are internet connected. doesn't really matter what we connect to. We just need a connection to some piece of hardware using the existing internet connection to be able to tell it when the best time is to charge. So that technology kind of already existed. And, you know, we were definitely talking to, you know, a lot of utilities across the world who were all facing the same problem. Different regions were at, at different stages of EV adoption. You know, California, over 10% of the vehicles on the road now are electric. Uh, and so the California utilities have been thinking about this for, for quite some time. Utilities like Con Edison in New York as well are seeing high levels of EV adoption, really want to get ahead of it. Uh, you know, other utilities may not see as high levels of EV adoption where they are in certain states and certain countries, but are certainly starting to think about this for the future. I think there's a broad consensus that vehicles are going to become electric. That seems to be an inevitability now. There are plenty of laws and policies that are going to mean that it will be virtually impossible to, to buy a new combustion engine vehicle you know, within 10, 10 or 15 years. Uh, and so utilities are starting to think about, okay, well, how do we start to already manage this uh, for the vehicles we've got? How do we get ahead of it? And I think we're seeing this, this concept of a kind of optimized energy demand being applied to, to other things as well. I think a lot of folks have got smart thermostats. If you've got like a, a Google Nest thermostat, it's capable of doing the same thing with your air conditioning. Uh, and I, anyone who's got an iPhone actually will have seen last year, Apple rolled out a software update that's also it's called optimized charging. And what it does is it learns your preferences over time. It knows when you tend to sort of plug in your phone to charge. It knows uh, when your alarm clock is set on your phone. And it knows, of course, its battery level. And it will then work. Actually, it gets sort of these generation feeds from different parts of the U.S. power grid to figure out you know, when it will charge using the lowest carbon electricity that's generating at the time. Uh, and that's something that I would imagine most iPhone users aren't even aware is happening in the background. And that's the beauty of this concept. It's really set it and forget it. It shouldn't require the consumer to make any more effort or take any more action. This should just be a piece of software that's operating in the background to optimize their, their electricity consumption. And look, at the end of the day, this is beneficial for power grids and utilities. It is saving them money on having to make very expensive capital upgrades to their poles and wires to support all of the additional electricity demand. And I think the great thing that we are seeing is a lot of utilities now are passing on that savings back to their customers in the form of incentives. Joseph Vallone is the head of North America for EV.Energy. He spoke with our own Molly Boygon on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Calvin Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Karn Dingra and David Phillips for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 